Have you ever wanted a super cool AI buddy? Zuck's made one named Eileen. And she's full of surprises. And guess what? She knows you're listening. I know you're out there. And needs your help with Jello Mountains. The whole city's filling up with Jello. Creaky robots. And her daft inventor. Zucks, are you functioning correctly? Tune in to A to Z, a fun new adventure series from Gen Z Media and the creators of The Res. Listen now on the GZM app, gzmshows.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Shh, it's starting. There are kids in this world who are different. Special. I think it's... A hoverboard. They look like us and they act like us, but they are not us. Your other nature. Who wants a selfie with the Grim Reaper? There's a girl flying in the water. Find the treasure. I she hate. belongs to the world of the good. It's a broken locket, exactly like mine. Dog, run! GZM shows. Mars Power. Imagination amplified. Hey, Big Fib listeners, it is summer vacation here at the Big Fib. So for the next few weeks, we will be re-airing some of our favorite summer-themed episodes like ice cream, camp, and roller coasters. We hope you have a great summer break, and we'll be back with new episodes starting in September. Two people claim to know everything about something, but only one knows anything. President Roosevelt wore an anti-gravity belt. Dinosaurs had two brains. Lucky kids live on Mars and go to school in flying cars. Or at least they will one day. Believe me, I'm a historian. An astronaut or drive a DeLorean. Would I lie? It's hard to say. The Big Fifth. Can you spot the lie? The Big Fifth. Some pigs can fly. The Big Fifth. But if you ask me why, can you trust the answer? From Scuba, Mississippi, this is The Big Fib. And now, here's your host, Deborah Goldstein. Welcome to The Big Fib, the game show where kids choose between the positively buoyant ascent of truth and the back-rolled decompression sickness of lies. I'm your host, Deborah Goldstein, and in the studio today is our sound effects robot, Lisa, whose name stands for Live in Studio Audience. Oh, my. Was all that coming from you, Lisa? Oh, yes. Pardon me. (laughs) I left the house without eating uh, any breakfast, and my tummy is rumbling. Wow, that's one loud tummy. Do you have anything you can eat? Yep, luckily I packed a protein bar right before I left. Let me see here. I'm just going to move this aside. Oh, it's a frog. Oh, it's two frogs. Oh, it's three frogs. Okay, Uh, here it is. Oh, yeah. The peanut butter bracket and bolts bar. Mm -mm. I better take a few bites. (laughs) Better now? It's a spot. Thank you. And now, I have plenty of energy to play a listener question. Please do. Hi, Lisa. I was wondering if you could make the sound of a goat yodeling while a dog was barking. (laughs) 
Uh, excuse me. Okay. An interesting request. The question I have for our listener is, why would a goat yodel? Mm. Is the goat high on a hill yodeling to a lonely goat herd? And if so, that would mean that the goat herd does not have a dog with him, or else he wouldn't be lonely, which would indicate that there would be no barking sounds. True, true. Unless the goat herd had to run back to the chalet to get a sweater or maybe a protein bar because he also left the house without breakfast that morning. And he sent the dog to deliver the message to the goat that the goat herd would be back in 15 minutes or however long it takes to get from the top of a hill to the chalet and back. Okay, that's one possible scenario. In which case, I now understand the motivation and intention behind both the yodeling and the barking, which enables me to select just the right sound. So, uh, yeah, here we go. Impressive. Yeah, that was, I did great. Okay. I mean, thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're welcome. All right. Well, let's add to the sound files that you're sharing by adding the sound file in which you tell everyone how our game works. Okay. But does that include telling the goat herd? Because I should wait until he gets back to the hill. Oh, I think he's back now. Oh, there he is. Oh, my gosh. Look, he looks so great. Is that a new sweater, goat herd? Yes, (laughs) no, I just got it at goatherdsuppliersincorporated.org. That sounds great. Oh, oh, goat herd, be quiet, because I got to do this thing. Okay. (laughs) Every week, we bring on two grown-ups. One is an expert. The other is a liar. And it's the job of a human child to help us figure out who is who, because no one can spot a liar better than a kid, at least we hope. What are we lying about today, Deborah Goldstein? We are lying about scuba diving, a sport where people swim underwater for a long time using a tank filled with air. And we're going to learn all about scuba diving along with our contestant today. Who might that be, Lisa? Our human child contestant is a 10-year-old who collects crystals, Gabby Prince. Welcome, Gabby. How are you? I'm good. So glad. Tell us about your crystals. What do you like about crystals? I think they're really interesting and cool. Where do you find your crystals? Are they gifts or do you buy them yourself? Sometimes they're gifts and sometimes I buy them. Wow. Okay. And do you have a favorite crystal? My favorite is a Herkimer diamond. Ooh, a Herkimer diamond. Oh, yeah. Those are delicious. No, not to eat. Oh, she doesn't eat them? What do you do with them? They give you energy and it enlivens and promotes creativity. Oh, Deborah could use that. That sounds great. Yeah, I definitely could. So do all of your crystals have special benefits like that? Yeah. Wow. Did you pick that one to be with you today for the show? Yes. Let's hope it gives you lots of creativity and lots of energy. We're rooting for you along with your crystal. But we want to hear some more fun facts about you, Gabby. But we are going to do it playing our game, Two Truths and a Lie. You, Gabby, will tell us three things about yourself. Two of those things will be true. One will be a lie. And we will have to try to figure out which is which, and whether or not you are actually a good liar. So, in no particular order, please tell us, Gabby, your two truths and one lie. I have two brothers. I have a dog named Chewy, and I've been in a play. 
Ooh, mm. I like her delivery, very matter-of-fact, which makes it challenging, don't you think, Lisa? This is very challenging. I would not want to be the one who has to figure this out. Oh, but you should be the one to try to figure it out. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, then I'll do it. Okay, let's see. She says she has two brothers, which I guess that's possible. I know there are at least two uh, to three people in the world, so that's possible. Mm. One dog named Chewy, which is interesting because of the movie Star Wars. Mm -hmm, There is a character mm -hmm. named Chewbacca. Mm -hmm. So then we can think, well, wait a minute. Maybe she's a big Star Wars fan. Mm. Or maybe someone in the house is. I don't know who named the dog. Or we could think maybe there was a mistake at the dog shelter and they accidentally adopted a Wookiee. And the Wookiee was like, and then they looked it up in the Wookiee dictionary and it said, my name is Chewie. But then she wouldn't know because maybe she thinks it's a dog even though it is a Wookiee. So I think the lie is that she's been in a play. (laughs) Okay. Well, hmm. That is interesting logic, and I certainly enjoyed the ride. Let's find out what the actual lie is. Gabby, which of those things is actually a lie? I don't have a dog named Chewie. (laughs) I was right because she has a Wookiee named Chewie. No, you said that the lie was that she was in a play. Well, let's not be bogged down by the past. Okay. So you do not have a dog at all, not even a dog named Chewie, no. But you have been in a play? Yeah. What play have you been in? Well, they were school plays, but one of the plays was called Grammar Linguistically Speaking. Wow, that is a mouthful. I have the original Broadway recording of that. That's a great one. (laughs) And is that a play all about grammar? Yes. Wow, I love that. Were you a particular character in the play? I had two characters. I was Mm. letter G and (gasps) I was comma splice. Comma splice, a complex role, I'm sure. Yes, you really had to tap into some deep emotions probably for that particular role, I would imagine. Well done. Well, Gabby, you fooled Lisa, which means you might be able to tell who's fooling you. But we have to meet those people, and we will bring on our scuba diving experts shortly. Do you know much about scuba diving, Gabby? No. Neither do I. So, Lisa, would you mind please playing some welcome music for our scuba diving experts? Oh, put on your tanks and take off your shoes. Put on your flippers and put on some gloves. Maybe a wetsuit, maybe some doves. It's scuba time. I don't know why you have those doves. <laughs> I don't know why either. Okay. Our first expert is Reese Narberg. Reese, please introduce yourself to Gabby. Hi, Gabby. I'm Reese Narberg, and I run Ask an Expert at Scuba Diving Magazine. Thank you very much, Reese. Let's meet our second expert, Ernie Franklin. Ernie, please introduce yourself to Gabby. Hi, Gabby. My name is Ernie Franklin, and I am a scuba diving teacher. Thank you, Ernie. <laughs> Tell us about those hydrophonic tones, Lisa. These are the hydrophonic tones of hot seat time. Yes, that is correct. That is when we put our experts on the hot seat while they answer Gabby's questions. Lisa, whom should we put on the hot seat first? 
I pick Reese because I like her pieces. <laughs> okay, that is a good reason, though I don't know. You know, they're just so chocolatey and peanut butter. And oh, I love their crunchy. Oh, they're good. Mm-hmm. Reese's pieces. I see the connection there. Okay, that's as good of a reason as any, I suppose. All right, Gabby, what is your first question for Reese? What are some things some people don't expect in scuba diving? Well, you know, a lot of times when you're taking a deeper dive, the ocean currents can actually spin and roll you quite a bit. And it's actually called the ocean twist. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> it can get a little crazy down there. Um, oh, and colors disappear underwater. What do you mean? The deeper you go, you lose different colors along the way because the ocean is getting deeper and bluer. So it actually starts to fade out certain colors. Wow. I hope it fades out red. That's an annoying color. You think red is an annoying color? Yeah, it's so showy. Look at me. I'm a fire truck. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I think red is a very nice color. I like the color red. Vibrant, energetic, exciting. Oh, maybe I just don't like fire trucks. Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah, look at me. Ah, it's an emergency. All right, simmer down. <laughs> right, it doesn't matter what color the truck would be. It still would be showy. Yeah. Look at me. <laughs> okay. All right, Gabby, what is your next question and which of our experts should answer it? This is for Ernie. Who created scuba diving and why? I think it was Jacques Cousteau who invented scuba. And I think the reason was he just wanted to go down and explore the underwater world. That is almost correct. The reason is because he dropped his keys. No. And he said, oh, no, where are my keys? And then he had to go find them. Mm, Not sure about that. Gabby, what is your next question and which expert should answer it? This is for both. How did you become an expert? Did you have to study or train for it? You do have to train a lot. It takes a lot of time to become a scuba diving expert. You have to do a lot of traveling. You have to dive in different environments, Mm. different conditions in order to become an expert. Is it dangerous? Is that why you have to do all that training? The training is what makes it really safe. The more you train, the better you get. I like to tell students the way you practice is the way you play. So if you are practicing all of the fundamental skills and you become proficient in it, yes, that makes you an expert. But mainly it's the ability to travel around and dive in different conditions Mm. that gives you exposure and experience. Understood. Thank you. Okay. Reese, over to you. Oh, of course. Yeah. You do have to get certified, as Ernie said. And I'm actually PATI certified. It's just one of the schools that you can go to to actually get certified. But there's a lot that goes into it. To get certified, you actually have to have a minimum of like 40 dives. You have to do 40 dives. And, you know, not only that, but you are taking classes. You have to be CPR certified and no first aid. You also have to have medical clearance. <laughs> in order to be able to dive. So that's an important part of it. Understood. Thank you. Gabby, back to you. Reese, why do you have to wear scuba gear? Well, it helps you breathe underwater, but also the gear makes you able to move underwater easily, right? Like you're more comfortable and there's just certain things that you have to have with your gear in order for you to be able to stay down there for a long amount of time. You'll have your regulator, your diving tube, 
And then probably one of the most important things, your BCD, which is uh, your buoyancy centering device. Mm. Yeah, that centers your buoyancy. Is that what that does? <laughs> does it center your buoyancy, Reese? Because otherwise your buoyancy will be all over the place and you'll be a half hour into it and you're like, where is my buoyancy? And then you remember, oh, I left it on the bus. <laughs> buoyancy, I think, is just how easily you can float. Is that correct, Reese? Yeah, I think that's an easy way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not very scientific about that, am I? Yeah. All right. Well, I prefer a more complicated way, but <laughs> if you have any questions for me, just leave them in the chat. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Gabby, those were excellent questions. Thank you so much. If you love The Big Fib, then check out Story Pillar, a podcast for kids and their grown-ups. Join Sneak, Bean, Sparky, and Meg as they tackle sticky social situations, explore stories from all over the world, and pick up great advice from listeners like you. They also save plenty of time for laughing and being silly. So if you've got feelings, love stories, and are open for a fart joke or a 10, Story Pillar is definitely worth a listen. Check it out at www.storypillar.com or wherever you love listening to podcasts. The Big Fib is brought to you by Pretty Litter Cat Litter. When my cat Arlo is healthy, he's happy. And that makes me happy. But since I'm not a mind reader, I don't always know when he is unwell. Helping me keep tabs on my cat's health is just one of the reasons I use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell. Like, not to brag, but when people come over, they might not know that I have a cat unless Arlo, who's huge, is in the room. Because the cat smell is not there. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust, Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can, which is really great because I'm lazy. And here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in my cat, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. Cats are, like, really sneaky, and you often don't know how they're feeling, and the worst part of that is sometimes you don't know when they're sick. So knowing when my cat is sick based on the litter changing color is a game changer. And Pretty Litter ships free right to my door in a small, lightweight bag. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash bigfib and use code bigfib to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash bigfib, code bigfib, to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash bigfib, code bigfib. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Nothing makes us happier than to hear from teachers who use GZM shows in their classrooms. Uh, cake also makes us happy. Uh, long walks on the beach, long walks on cake. So, teachers, if you'd like to use our podcasts in your classroom... And if you'd like to use cake... <laughs> head over to www.gzmclassroom.com for free resources supporting classroom listening to all your favorite shows, including Six Minutes, Mars Patel, and, of course, The Big Fib. But is there cake, Deborah? No. How are we supporting teachers if we're not giving them cake? <laughs> All right. It's time for the Shorts on Fire round when our experts have to answer as many questions as they can before time runs out. Lisa will set a timer for the first expert, and then Gabby will ask questions until Lisa's timer sounds. Then Lisa resets the timer for our next expert to do the same. 
experts. You might want to board your diver propulsion vehicle to keep up with Gabby's questions. Gabby, let's start with Reese. You can ask your Shorts on Fire questions now. The full face mask replaced which kind of goggles to prevent eye coverings that got too tight as divers dive deeper in the water? Evo goggles. Who was the first female chief scientist of the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration? Oh gosh, what is her name? Deborah Goldstein. Oh, you just clued me. Uh, Debbie Gibson. What is the device used to measure how much air you have left in your scuba tank? A force indicator. What is the record for the most underwater rope jumps in one hour? Pass. (laughs) What is it called when a diver enters the water from the side of a boat back first? Tail drop. Oopsie. Which is better to wear in cold water, a wetsuit or a dry suit? A dry suit. What is the name of the Wes Anderson film about an oceanographer that is dedicated to diving pioneer Jacques Cousteau? It's a go with the float. And that is time. That's all the time. Very good. Lisa, please reset the timer for us, would you? Oh, timer. Your reset. Okay, thank you. All right, Gabby. You can now ask Ernie your shorts on fire questions now. How much of the earth is water? 75%. Which type of buoyancy occurs when something is denser than the water around it, causing to sink? Negative buoyancy. How many gallons of water does the deepest dive pool hold? Uh, I'll pass. How much faster does sound travel underwater? 35 times faster. Why can't we see colors underwater? Because you lose light the deeper you go. Forgot to bring coloring books. No. Who invented the aqua lung? Jacques Cousteau. What was the name of the 1950 show about a scuba diver starring Lloyd Bridges? Sea Hunt. How deep was the world's deepest scuba dive? Factor fib. Scuba tanks are filled with oxygen. Fib. How can you prevent face masks from fogging up before a dive? Use default. Stay on land. And that is time. That's all the time. Gabby, really well done. Okay, it's decision time. Gabby must refer to the notes in her logbook and come to a conclusion. Gabby, who is our big scuba diving fibber? I think it's Ernie. (gasps) Why do you think Ernie is our fibber? Because in the shorts on fire round, when I asked if the scuba tanks were filled with oxygen, Mm -hmm. he said fib. Mm -hmm. Let's get to the bottom of that. Will the actual scuba diving expert please say, I am the scuba diving expert. I am scuba diving expert. Oh, true. Ernie Franklin is a scuba diving expert who has become a PADI certified open water scuba instructor. He's a Red Cross certified water safety instructor at the Prince George's County Sports and Learning Center in Maryland. He is also a scientific diver for the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA. 
Many titles, lots of fun things to talk about here. Let's get to the bottom of that first question. Ernie, what's the deal with the tanks? What's in there? The tanks have air in them, the same air we breathe on Earth. You cannot breathe 100% pure oxygen because you get oxygen toxicity. Ooh, so what is in there? Do you know? It's mostly gravy. No. (laughs) The air that we breathe is only 21% oxygen. The rest of it is nitrogen. Oh, interesting. Let's do some more fact-checking, shall we? Help us defog our lenses to get a clear view of the truth, Ernie. What lies did you hear Reese tell? The BCD is buoyancy control device. Uh-huh. Okay. The device that used to measure the amount of air in your tank is called an SPG or submersible pressure gauge. Oh, okay. Oh, and the last, the last one I got getting off a boat. It's called a back roll because diving from something as small as what they call a Zodiac boat, which is a big rubber boat, and it's very small, so you can't do a giant stride off Mm. of it as you would normally off of a dive boat. You have to sit on the edge with your equipment on and just roll backwards. Uh Uh-huh. That makes sense. All right, well, let's shift to Reese here. Reese, how did you demonstrate that you were clearly out of your depth? Well, the ocean twist is a dance that I'd like to see underwater, but that's not a thing. (laughs) No. Let's see. Oh, the Wes Anderson film. It's life aquatic, not go with the float, just (laughs) FYI. Nice title. Mm -hmm. And last but certainly not least, the first female chief scientist of the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration was not Debbie Gibson. No, it was actually Sylvia Earle. And she also set the women's depth record of 1,250 feet in 1979. Yeah, that was a great day. It was a great day. I was like, where'd Sylvia go? And then everyone pointed down. I was like, oh, she's deep. (laughs) She's going to set a record. And the goggles that the full mask covered. Oh, yeah. Good catch. I also lied about that. So it used to be that you would wear goggles, but as you got deeper and deeper into the water, they would get tighter and tighter, and that would be very uncomfortable. So then they invented the full face mask to replace the Ferez goggles. There's a difference between a dive mask and a full face mask. Mm. The reason goggles do not work underwater is because with the occurring pressure, the deeper you go, you have no way to equalize your ears. And the dive mask were invented with a nose piece that covers your eyes and your nose. Those are air spaces that can be affected by pressure. So as you go deeper, you would do something called equalizing, where you would pinch your nose and just kind of blow gently. The same effect that you'd have if you were taking off in a plane mm. and you were going up to altitude. The deeper you go, you have to equalize early and often. And that's just to equalize the pressure in your head to the pressure outside. Wow. Very cool. Thank you. And I'm just going to write some of the other wrongs here. The record for the most underwater rope jumps in an hour, 1,608, which was set by Ashrita Furman in 2012. The largest pool in the world holds 3,700,000 gallons of water. That's the largest deep dive pool in the world in Dubai. 
And let's see, sound travels five times faster underwater. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the world's deepest scuba dive, 1,000 feet, which took 12 minutes to reach that depth and 15 hours to return to the surface. Ernie, why did it take the diver so long to return to the surface? Because they have to make decompression stops. Uh, the deeper you go, the more pressure and the more nitrogen you get built up in your bloodstream. So it takes that much longer because you have to have time for your body to off-gas the nitrogen built up in there. Wow, okay. I also just wanted to establish the difference between a wetsuit and a dry suit. How can a suit be dry if it's underwater? I don't understand. The wetsuit is just that water does seep in between your body and the suit. Uh, and uh -huh. what that does is the water in there conducts heat. Huh. And it keeps heat in between the wetsuit and your body. Uh. A dry suit has got three entry points through your two arms and your neck. And there's a neoprene seal around those three areas. It literally seals it. Wow. And it becomes vacuum. But there's specific training for that because you know how you vacuum seal frozen foods? Uh-huh. That's exactly what happens to your body in the dry suit as you go down. So there's a little pressure button in there that you can push to let air from your tank go into your dry suit to kind of equalize the pressure in there also. Cool. Fascinating facts. Thank you. Well, it is time to call the dive now that we have nothing left in the tank. Thanks to our contestant and dive master, Gabby. And thank you to our expert and liar, Ernie and Reese. And thanks to Lisa, our sound snorkeler extraordinaire. And of course, many thanks to our listeners tuning into the Big Fib, where we dive for the truth while we unmask fibbers. The Big Fib is a production of Gen Z Media. For more great shows, visit gzmshows.com. While you're there, you can find out how you can become a contestant on the Big Fib or send questions for me to answer on the show. And follow us on social media, the Big Fib Podcast, for behind-the-scenes photos and more true facts. And woo! Oh, it's a fire truck. I better, oh, I'm going to go chase it. I'm a dog. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at www.gzmshows.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.www.